I wonder what it would have been like. I want you to really imagine this for a second. What it would have been like to have been one of the twelve. You are a fisherman by trade. That's what you do for a living. And so when you go out to work, you're on the lake. You're on the lake with your your brother and with your dad. And you're fishing. And it's a day just like every other day. Except on this day, from the shore, you hear a voice calling to you. And so you look. And as your eyes slowly focus on this one who's calling, you see that it's, it's this guy that looks like Jesus. He looks like the one that John the Baptist had been talking about. The one John the Baptist was calling the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was calling this guy the Messiah. The one that was promised so long ago. And he's calling to you in your fishing boat. And he's saying, follow me. So you're not sure whether it's more curiosity or trust. Maybe it's a mixture of both, but you leave. You leave your boat, you leave your dad, and you and your brother, you go and you follow this man. And from that point, from that point on, your life will never be the same. But man, the things that you get to see. You see this Jesus feed thousands of people. You, f- you see this Jesus have power over the elements He calms storms with just his words. He walks on the water. He he heals people. He drives out demons. You get to hear him teach the people, and you yourself learn a little bit more about who this Jesus is. You learn more about the kingdom of God. You get to sit down and you get to eat with this man. And have conversations with him and ask him questions. And slowly, you start to find yourself relying on him more and more. That is, until the day that everything changed. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Where he's arrested. He's put on trial. He's sentenced to death. And all of this is happening so fast. And before you know it, you're walking up to Golgotha. You're walking up to watch your leader, your friend, this man who you got to know for the last three years, die an excruciatingly painful death. You're, you're standing there with his, with his mother. Things are happening so fast and sadness fills your heart in a way that you've never known. And all the questions you have. Were these last three years a waste of my time? But as quickly as things are changing for you, they quickly turn in the other direction. Because just a few days later, you go from the pit of absolute despair to unbelievable joy as you're sprinting away from the tomb. The empty tomb Jesus is risen! He's alive, just like he said he would be. You just walked 
three years in the shoes of John. Those are the highlights, anyways. And it's almost enough to make us a little envious, isn't it? That John got to walk and talk with the truth. That that truth changed John in such, in such a profound way. John walked with the Savior. But what I want you to know and believe is that John may have walked with Jesus in the flesh, but that doesn't make your walk with Jesus any less real. John heard the words of power from Jesus' mouth, but you have those words too in that worn-out Bible that you can read any time that you want. And as his disciples, I want you to know that you have received just as much as John. Because what was the greatest thing that John received? His salvation. Jesus saved him. And he saved you. For John, being loved, being saved, and being changed, it made him want to follow Jesus so closely. It made him want to hold on as tight as he possibly could to that Holy Spirit. Because he knew that that was the key. He knew that Jesus was the key for everyone who would come to faith because of John's ministry. So John taught people the truth. Because he knew that it was the truth that saves. It was the truth that shows people the love of a father. The love that we can't even fathom. Someone told me this a couple weeks ago. They said, when you become a parent for the first time, you finally get it. You finally understand in just a little deeper way what God gave up to save us. Can you believe that? How does it make you feel that God gave up his only son for you? I'll tell you how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I want to follow this Jesus. I want to obey him and I want to serve him with every aspect of my life. And that's how John felt. He was motivated by what Jesus had done for him. And so was this man named Gaius. Okay, who's Gaius? Gaius and John, they're very close friends. John is, is kind of like Gaius' pastor. He taught him God's word. He taught him the truth about Jesus. And through that relationship, they, they grew as friends together. Gaius loved the truth, and he loved serving Jesus because he loved the truth. And so John, as his spiritual leader, he's taking that motivation that Gaius has, and he wants to fan that motivation into a flame so that Gaius is just on fire for Jesus. So he writes Gaius a letter. And it's what we have today as 3 John. Let's read the, the first four verses here. The elder, that's John, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you 
even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Did you hear how John encouraged Gaius? First of all, he calls him a dear friend. And then he proceeds to express his love for his dear friend Gaius. These two are are close. And then he has a prayer for Gaius that he's healthy and that everything is going well with him. And he kind of gives a prayer of thanksgiving for Gaius' faith, doesn't he? That your soul is well. And then he gives a big encouragement. He says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in that truth. You see, these believers that had been in contact with Gaius, they came and they visited John and they told him about all the things that Gaius was doing for the believers there. And put yourself in John's shoes. You had trained this man. You'd become very good friends with Gaius. So as his spiritual leader, that fills you with joy to hear that Gaius is walking in the truth. That that truth that you love so much, that Jesus that you love so much, is exactly what Gaius is carrying with him wherever he goes. So what does John do? He tells him. He says, it gave me great joy. He says, I have no greater joy. What an amazing compliment from a man that walked and talked with Jesus. It is fascinating how much power a single compliment has to encourage someone. How a kind word, uh, going out of your way to say a kind word to someone can go such a long ways. Too often, it's easy to be critical, isn't it? To criticize others. The darkness in us loves that. We love criticizing others because when we point out their weakness, they're not going to be looking at our weakness. When I point out their weakness, when I criticize them, it's going to let them know that they're not better than me. Or it's going to make me feel better about myself. There's lots of different reasons to criticize. But the result of criticism is very rarely ever joy. John, he could have found a way to criticize Gaius. Gaius was a sinful human just like us. And John could have found something to pick at Gaius for, but he didn't. John also didn't keep quiet. You know, John could have just brushed by the praise and the compliment and got straight down to business in his letter. But he didn't. Instead, he took the time to acknowledge Gaius. He said, hey Gaius, I love what you're doing. I love that you're helping these believers out. I love that you're walking in the truth and it seems like you carry that truth with you wherever you go and that truth never leaves you. Guys, just just keep doing this. Keep walking 
in that truth, you can have the same impact on someone's life, on someone's walk in the truth. Because by going out of your way to acknowledge something that someone's doing right, first of all, it'll make their day. But, but even more than that, it will affirm a believer in what is right. You're telling them, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Keep serving the Lord that way. And so if you're sitting next to someone that you just love the way they sing, and they sing with such passion to their Savior, tell them. If you love somebody's life story and it inspires you in your walk of faith, if someone makes a great comment in Bible class, tell them. If you've noticed that, that somebody has been going through a hard time, but you've really admired the strength through which they went through that hard time, tell them. Because you'll be strengthening them in their walk in the truth. And even more than that, God loves when we encourage one another. Because God knows. He knows that sometimes we are discouraged in our walk with Christ. And it's not because of Christ that we're discouraged. It's because we live in this sinful world, surrounded by sinful people, and we ourselves are sinful. So sometimes we feel lonely. Sometimes we wonder or are a little unsure if what we're doing is, is serving God. But God also knows that encouragement it can spur you on to, to keep fighting the good fight of faith, to keep walking in the truth. Gaius was already doing it right. He was already walking in the truth. John wasn't writing to him to get him to start walking in the truth or to get him back on the right path. He was writing to him to spur him on so that he would keep walking in that truth. You can be like John. Spur each other on to keep walking in the truth. John loved Gaius. He loved what Gaius was doing. And as John's or as Gaius' spiritual leader, John had a dream for Gaius. He wanted more for Gaius. He wanted to take Gaius' service to the next level. So he writes to him this next part. Our text goes on. It says, John says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So John goes on in his letter, and he's still giving Gaius praises here. He's still saying, I love what you're doing, Gaius. You're helping these people out. You're taking them into your house, even though that they're, they're strangers to you. They've come and told me that your love is great. You see, there are these, these missionaries, these believers that were traveling from city to city, and they had, they had taken a stand on the truth. They weren't going to accept help 
from the pagans. But in order to do that, they needed believers to step up and to serve. And Gaius was an answer to their prayers. Gaius took these people into his house, even though they were strangers, but he loved them in the truth. He took them into his house because he loved Jesus, and he loved people, and he loved to serve. So he took ownership of these people and took care of them. So John writes this to Gaius, and then he gives him instructions. He says, send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality. So what's John doing? John's taking this thing that that Gaius was doing, just out of love for Christ and love for others, something that he was doing almost accidentally, and turning it into something that Gaius would do on purpose. He was turning something that Gaius was doing and acting accidentally into something that Gaius would act intentionally about. Let me explain a little bit. I, I'm a big-time golfer. I love to golf. And I love so many things about the game of golf, but one of the things that I love most about it is how challenging the golf swing is. And after many years of playing, I'll still go out and play around, and I'll step up to the ball, and I'll swing, and, and I'll hit a beautiful shot right where I want it to go. But the problem, the problem is, is I'll step back from that shot after hitting it, I won't know how I did it. (laughs) How did I make it go exactly where I wanted it to go? And since I don't know how I made that happen, I can't duplicate it. I can't do it again. That's where I'm really thankful that I have a, a mom that is very, very talented in, in golf. She, she's a very talented player herself, and she's an instructor. And she loves, she has a passion to, to make people better at the game of golf. She knows the swing really well, and she knows my swing very well from all the years of working with me. She wants me to succeed. So she comes out with me, and she watches me swing. And after I hit a shot that is right where I want it to go, You know what she does? She tells me exactly what I did to make that happen so that I can make it happen again. Do you get the point? John wants Gaius to be intentional. God wants us to be intentional. God doesn't want us to wonder how we can serve him. God wants us to know how we can serve him so We can serve him on purpose. So as a body of believers, we just have this awesome opportunity to go out of our way and to acknowledge someone's gifts, but even more than that, to acknowledge someone's gift, to encourage them, but to give that encouragement a direction. That person that you're sitting next to that has a beautiful voice, that has a passion for singing, Tell them that they have a beautiful voice. Tell them that you love, that they love to sing, and encourage them to use that gift to build up the body of Christ. 
that young man that you know that loves talking to people and he loves the word of God, encourage him. Tell him you love what he's doing and encourage him in a direction. Encourage him to to use those gifts to maybe consider ministry. Anybody that you know that has a, a wonderful gift that God has given them, tell them and encourage them to use that gift to build up the body of Christ. Because what you're doing is you're, you're helping one another, and you're walking Christ, and you're helping each other be intentional about your walk in Christ. That's what John was doing for Gaius. And when he says, please send them on their way, and when he says, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. That's what God wants us to do. That's what John wanted Gaius to do. He wanted to work together for the truth. That we might encourage each other. That we might spur each other on and help each other grow in faith. And that we might support each other as we work together in the truth. My, my mom used to read me this book when I was... Little, maybe this looks familiar. It's, I think it's a very popular book. But here's the, the basic storyline. A mom comes home with her, her newborn baby. And she loves this baby boy so much. And, and she, she'll go into his room at night when he's sleeping. And she'll pick him up and she'll rock him back and forth and she'll sing to him. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're with me, my baby you'll be. And it's cool. The, the story goes on. and you turn, you turn the pages and the son gets older and older and older, but the mother doesn't stop. She keeps coming into his room at night. She keeps picking him up. And she keeps rocking him back and forth and singing to him that love song. But as the son gets older... So does the mother. And eventually, she's not able to come in and to pick up her son and to sing to him. So you know what her son does? You can see it in the picture. He comes and he sneaks into his mom's room and he picks her up and he rocks her back and forth and he says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're with me, my mother you'll be. It's a tearjerker. But, but what is the son doing when he's sneaking into his mother's room and he's picking her up and he's rocking her back and forth? He's walking in the truth of that love that his mother showed him year after year after year. So if that mom was real, if the story was real and we got to ask her, what made her the most happy? Some of it maybe would have been that her son loved her, but that's not the whole thing. What would have made her happy is that he learned to love by the way that she modeled love for him. That he learned to walk in the truth of his mother's love. So, as disciples of truth and love 
as disciples of a loving Father, help each other to walk in the truth of your Father's love. Amen.